0: Is there anyone in the room named Joseph? No Joseph's anyone with a middle name Joseph? Ah, interest. Interest. Is there one? Did I see a hand back there? One with a middle name Joseph. Awesome. I have a question for you, real quick, and you can just nod your head, shake your head. Do you ever have dreams? Yeah, you do. Okay. That's appropriate. Because if you look at the name Joseph in scripture, if you name somebody Joseph, they have dreams. If you think about the two big Josephs in the Bible, right? Where is, where is one? Not in this story this morning from Matthew. Where's the other one? book of Genesis, right? The, 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 the second youngest son who has all these dreams. He's got this amazing coat. He ends up in Egypt, ends up to be in relationship with Pharaoh and has all these things. But he's a dreamer. In fact, they call him Joseph the dreamer, right? Well, in our story this morning from the book of Matthew, we get the other big Joseph in scripture. And what does he do? He dreams. In fact, this morning's passage is about Joseph having a dream. Now, you think, okay, well, he has one dream. He's not really that much of a dreamer. If you keep reading, though, in the next couple chapters, Joseph actually dreams three different times in the story, which is remarkable, because how much do we know about Joseph beyond, really, the Christmas story and just a little bit of the early childhood of Jesus? Almost nothing. Joseph is one of those enigmatic characters of the birth of Jesus' story that we really know the least about in part because he's not there for very long. In fact, by the time you get to Matthew chapter 4, Joseph doesn't make any more appearances. He's out of the story. But in the part that he does play... His dreams have power. And this morning, we want to think about what Joseph saw in his dream and how that changed his vision to see Christmas with a different set of eyes. I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to begin at verse 18. When you think about that part, that portion of the story, there's a part of me that, especially because Joseph is the dad in the story, he's the father figure, he's the husband figure to Mary, he's perhaps the one that I can most empathize with personally, because I am both a husband and a father. And when I think about the situation that Joseph finds himself in, the beginning of our text... If you you look at that, it really seems like a no-win situation for a man. Joseph, obviously, was in some sort of relationship with Mary before the beginning of our story. And he was pledged to be married. Now, we don't know if that was a pledge that came from Mary and Joseph's relationship or because in that day and in that culture, you would have arranged relationships, arranged marriage. We don't know if it was one that came out of a personal tenderness for each other or love for each other or the arrangement. But certainly there was a relationship and Joseph was a stand-up guy. In fact, we know that because what does the word say? In verse 19, it says, he was faithful to the law. He was a man who sought to follow Yahweh, or God, the God that he knew being a good Jewish man. And he wanted to do right here because he knew the law that a woman who had been with another before marriage was unclean, that for her to marry her and unite with her in marriage would make him unclean, but he's a faithful to the lost sort of guy. So for him, he wants to follow God, he wants to love God first, and then he wants to love others. His commandments, we haven't got to Jesus where Jesus does the two greatest commandments. He's living into the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and the first four of the Ten Commandments are all about loving God, so he's going to put a priority on those, and he wants to be faithful to the law of God, so he tries to get out of the relationship, but he's still a stand-up guy, and he doesn't want to hurt Mary. He doesn't want to hurt her standing any more than it's already going to be hurt, because it is going to be hurt. Mary is the mother of, in the eyes of the culture around her, the mother of a bastard child. She's the mother of a child who is not her husband's. And so Joseph, in essence, wants to say, I know that to be true, And it's going to be hard for you already, so I'm going to try to do this as quietly as I possibly can to not draw much attention to you. I want to be faithful to the law, but I also want to honor you. He's stuck in a no-win situation. No-win situation. This thing will be harder than what he signed up for. So he looks for the least shameful way out for all concerned. But God has other plans. How does God show up? Well, he shows up in a dream. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Now, again, because I ask a lot of questions and when I read scripture, I wonder about the sort of situation that happened. I wonder, you know, because we all have dreams and we have dreams in different ways. And, and, and you know, I can even remember a dream that I had last night. And, and you wake up and you're trying to grab all the little strings to it and remember all the things that it looked like. I wonder what Joseph's dream looked like. Was it simply this majestic angel standing in front of him? Or was there some sort of scene that Joseph saw play out where he would see the life of Jesus and Jesus teaching the disciples and healing and doing ministry, seeing his, this, this son of Mary, son ultimately of his grow? Is that the image with words in the background from the angel? I wonder what that all looked like. But it obviously had power and it had power in Joseph's life because of some of the things that the angel said. First of all, he says Joseph, but then he calls him another name. What is it? Son of David. He's, he's making an important connection there for Joseph. Now, remember, in the early portion of the passage, what is it use as a descriptor to, for Joseph? Joseph is faithful to the law. That means he knows what the law teaches. And if he knows what the law teaches, that means that he knows what the prophets say about the Messiah. And the Messiah will come from the branch of who? Jesse. The branch of the line of David. So for Joseph to hear, Joseph, son of David... As a faithful Jew, the angel is beginning to help Joseph understand what's going on here. And then he says, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but if any of you ladies get pregnant and come up to me or go to your your significant other or your parents or whoever and say, what is in me is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Good luck with that, by the way. Because they're going to look at you with some strange eyes. And here Joseph is being told, this thing that you are now a part of in this story has never happened before, but it happened now. You have to imagine that Joseph had some questions. I do. I, I, I believe that. I, I wonder. I wonder you know, as Joseph was hearing this, and even as he woke up later, what was he wondering? But how the angel said it to him, because he was faithful to the law, made a difference. I have in my outline this interesting thing called a Scooby-Doo moment. How many of you know who Scooby-Doo is? Rutro, right? Scooby-Doo, the animated, uh, the the cartoon, Scooby-Doo and the mystery machine. They got three teenagers, supposedly, who apparently their parents are never present in their lives because they're always driving around in the van in very dangerous places. And if you've ever watched a Scooby-Doo episode, you know how it goes. They come to some creepy, bizarre place where there's some friend of theirs that they've known from years ago. And then this monster shows up or strange creature shows up and it terrorizes everyone for the episode. And there's chase scenes and there's Scooby snacks and there's Scooby and, and what's the other guy's name? Um, Shaggy dressing up in some weird get up. Like, you know how it goes? And then ultimately, there is the unmasking because they catch the guy or catch the person who is being the monster or the villain and then they unmask them and then they begin to explain what's going on. And in that moment all of the, the ridiculous things that you've seen in the half hour of the cartoon supposedly make sense. They never really do if you really think about it but at least they're supposed to make sense. For Joseph I wonder if this is his, it sounds silly, a Scooby-Doo moment, he's starting to get it. You're the son of David, guess where the Messiah is going to come from? This child is begotten of the Holy Spirit, that's never happened before. And since that's never happened before and we're waiting for something else that has never happened before called the Messiah. You start to get it, Joseph. You start to understand the story that you are now a part of. A story that has never been told ever in history. You are being asked something great. You are being asked to live into a relationship that will bring some shame. You are asked to live in a relationship with Mary. Mary, the mother of, in culture's eyes, a bastard child who you are now called to Not only marry and care for a child who is not biologically yours, but you're also called to wait to unite with her until she gives birth to her child. It's a lot being asked of a man, but remember, Joseph is faithful to the law. Because he's a man faithful to the law, he knows that when God asks you to do something, as remarkable, as strange, as outrageous as it might be, you are called to obey. The passage continues, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, Again, Joseph being faithful to the law, he knows the prophets because that's what you learned as a Jewish child. You memorized passages of Scripture, great passages of Scripture. And as him, a person who was faithful to the law, he would have known all the prophecies about the prophets, that the prophets had made about the Messiah. And I wonder how many times over the course of the part of the story that we know Joseph is part of, the light bulb went on for him oh yeah, oh yeah, the virgin will be with child. Oh yeah, it will be born in a manger. Yes, it will happen in Bethlehem. I wonder if even when Joseph received the call to the census from Caesar Augustus to go to Bethlehem, I wonder if the light bulb began to burn even brighter. But I also wonder if he really started to ask questions. Because when you are confronted even with things of God, you still have questions, don't you? Nick, do you have questions right now about what the future is? And Nick is a person who is faithful to the law, seeking to obey Jesus. He is a man who is wondering about the future. He has questions. He has questions whether or not everything's going to be okay. I have questions about that too. There are times, I'm not talking about his situation. That's pretty funny, though. I didn't mean that. That's pretty funny, though. I do have a lot of questions. Probably more so. but I have questions about my own future. And I also have questions whether or not what I think God is doing is what God is really doing. I wonder sometimes... There are times when I have felt led to lead this church in in a way that that, um, ministers to our community in different forms and fashions than we have before. There are things that I have sought, you know, heard God speak to me and to our staff and to the leadership of the church and said, okay, this is the way we are supposed to go. And yet there are times when I wonder, God, is this what you, this what you really wanted? Because this is really messy sometimes. And I ain't sure. I'm wondering whether or not this is Real. I'm wondering whether or not this is the way that I'm supposed to be going and if it's not the way I'm supposed to be going and if it's not how it is that I'm supposed to be doing things are you still going to be there and to care for me and watch out for me and watch out for this community watch out for my family and all of this I have questions and I'm not asked to do what Joseph did I can't believe I wonder sometimes what sort of questions he had In this great thing, this enormous thing, this massive thing that he was asked to participate in, you had to know that Joseph had questions. And one of the biggest ones would be Is this child really pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Think about that as a husband. You're questioning the faithfulness of your wife. You're questioning whether or not this is real. And I, yeah, I want to believe that Joseph knew down deep it wasn't. But I also know that Joseph is human. And when you're confronted with things that are beyond your comprehension, you ask questions. And yet, there's this tension in Joseph because he is, what, faithful to the law. So even when those questions come, they're overwhelmed by a sense of loving God first and doing what it is that God commands. Let's close this passage, verse 24. This is one of the most ridiculous sentences that I've ever heard. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. That's the sentence that I think is ridiculous for one reason. You wake up, and you realize what you're being asked, do you just wake up and go, oh, okay, all right, no problem, let's do it. There's no way. I believe that Joseph had one of the toughest wake up and mornings of his life. He probably woke up in a sweat. He probably woke up wondering what in the world is going on. Now, maybe I'm superimposing here. But again, Joseph is a person that I empathize with. He's the person in the story that I think I have the most most in common with. And I know if God were to ask me something this dramatic, this huge, this enormous, it wouldn't be Joseph woke up and did what the angel had commanded him. I'd ask the question, I'd sit on the edge of my bed, and God and I would continue to have a conversation and say, really? Are you sure? Is this what you want for me? I've been, what, faithful to the law, and you're asking me to enter into this hard thing? And God says, Yes. I am. I am asking you to enter into the hardest thing that you will ever do in your life. It came in this dream. It is now in this moment. And what is it that you are going to do next? He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Now, as I read that, and let's continue, we'll finish the, finish the section. And took Mary to be his wife as well. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. So he wakes up. I'm sure he has a conversation with God. But ultimately, he obeys what he is commanded to do. He allows God's words to soak in. And then he lived into them. That's a question that I ask for me, and I ask for us. How many of you feel like you know what God has commanded you to do, at least in part in your life? How many of you think you know what God has commanded you to do? I can actually give you a couple things that God has commanded you to do. He's called you to love Him, right? He's called you to love others. He's called you to do things like serve the poor. He's called you to care for the widowed and the orphaned. He's called you to love others before yourself. He's called you to forgive as he forgave, right? I mean, do you know that those are things that God has commanded you to do? How many of you know those things are good things that God has commanded you to do? All right, okay. How you doing with them? You got to figure it out yet. Going smooth, right? No problem. You've forgiven everyone that you've needed to forgive, right? No problems there. Everyone's good on that front, right? You've put others before yourself in everything, right? Is that true? And by the way, if you want to put your hand up and that's true, just simply ask your spouse, okay? He'll give the answer. The truth is when we hear these things that God has commanded to us, For us to live into that Joseph moment of obeying it. Because here's the thing. God asking you and I to love him first and to love others. To serve the poor, care for the widowed and the orphaned. For us to forgive one another, for us to put another first. Isn't nearly as challenging as being asked to do what Joseph was asked to do. He was asked to give up his life. Give up his faithful to the law life. The image of a good salt of the earth, good guy carpenter who did, tried to do everything right. And now all of a sudden in the culture's eyes, he's stepping into a relationship that can bring shame. That's really hard. And yet God has asked us to do things that are much less difficult And for us to hear what it is that he has commanded and obey it seems much more difficult for us than it does for Joseph. For us to see in this man who we know so little about, except for the fact that he was faithful to the law, he was a dreamer, that he was a man who ultimately is not a part of the story very long. But yet in what we know about Joseph, he was living into relationship with God in a powerful way, even though it was hard. And here's what God gave him. God gave him... The ability to carry a title. He's Jesus' dad. Oh, yeah, not, I mean, it was begotten of the Holy Spirit, yes, but everyone knew Joseph was Jesus' dad. He got to see this young man begin to grow. He got to bear witness to shepherds who came in the room at the birth, after the birth of of this incredible child and he got to hear the things that they were saying about angels in the hills and in the mountains around. He got to bear witness to, three, the, the, or to the magi coming, bearing gifts. Gifts that, that, were, that were incredible for his time and for his culture and for his life. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It was like somebody gave him $50,000 and said, here, here's a baby gift. And then later on, he got to be a part of those dreams where God said, I'm going to watch out for you. Go to Egypt, and then I'm going to watch out for you even more. Come back to Nazareth. He got to be a part of watching his son go to the temple later on in life and teach in ways that had never been taught And yes, we don't know any more beyond that, but I have to wonder if there were times in his shop as Joseph was doing his carpentry work or as he was interacting with his family that he got to bear witness to something that none of us got to bear witness to, a young Messiah. Being a young Messiah. What a beautiful, beautiful gift. He was asked to do much in faith. He was asked to do really hard, challenging, big things in faith. And because he was faithful to the law and obeyed what it was that he was commanded, he bore witness to the beauty of God changing the world. Friends, what about us? As God commands us this Christmas... As God gives us the gift of a, of a king who calls us to be his subjects and in his commands and his calls to obedience for us gives us ways that we see his kingdom grow in our world. He, he gives you so much in this world that you and I can live into. And yes, sometimes it is hard. Believe me, I know, it's Christmas. There are some of you in the next week or so who are going to be struggling with those issues of forgiveness. You are going to be struggling with issues of loving others before yourself. Why? For the simple reason you're going to be a house with a lot of family. And it seems like that's what family does. We bring out those sorts of things in our lives. You're going to be in situations, and, 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 like seriously, when you have to go on the return line at Target on Tuesday, like God bless you trying to be a follower of Jesus there. <laughs> seriously. Whatever it is that your circumstance is, it is going to have challenges. And yet, as you and I obey... We might experience the same beauty that Joseph did. He got to bear witness to Christ showing up in the world around him. Friends, that's a promise as you and I obey and live into what God has commanded us to do, that we can be a part of too. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. You Father who has given us life and hope and purpose in a baby. That through the manger we are fed as well with the bread of life that comes from you. That we are given Everything that is that we need. I pray, Father, that as we go from this place that we hear your commands. That we hear what it is that you called Joseph to do. And bear witness to what... He was a part of, and Lord, be inspired by that, challenged by that, wondering about that for our own lives. Lord, we know what it is that you've called us to do. We can name names in our lives. We can see faces of people that you've called us to love, people that you've called us to forgive. We can see the people that you've called us to serve, and as hard as that is, Lord, we know, Lord, that it's there and it's clear. Give us the strength then to obey, Encourage us to then be lovers of others, forgivers of others, grace-filled people who proclaim who you are with our lives in such a way that others might hear that there is a baby born. There was a baby born that changes their everything. Lord, you and you alone are the one who can do that work. We pray that you do it today. In Jesus' name, amen.